0: Hallelujah. Let's go before the throne real quick. Glory. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, you be lifted high and glorified. Thank you so much, Father, for this day. Thank you, Father, that we have the opportunity to lift you high and that you can be glorified in our life, dear Father God, when we give it to you. We thank you, Father, right now for the service that the words that come from my lips, dear Father God, will be what your spirit says. That fire will come from these lips today, dear Father, that you made of clay, and that you be glorified with everything that we do, Father. Thank you, God, for who you are and what you've done. Just lift your hands and say, glory to God, glory to God. You be lifted high, Father, in our life. Father, you be lifted high in everything that we do, and everything that we say. Holy Spirit, have your way in here today. You are already here, Father. You are already here, Daddy, and we love you. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. You may have your seats. You may have your seats. Hallelujah. God is so good. Man, he's good. Uh, my name is Nehemiah Ray. I'm the youth director here at Linked Up Church. I'm on staff here. Um, I just wanted to say it's a, it's a very humbling experience to be able to be up here today and speak the word of God unto you all. First thing I want to do is give, give glory to God. Y'all give God just a hand clap. Just give because he deserves the glory and the praise. Uh, I want to also thank Pastor Gregory, Pastor Trish. They've sowed so much seed into my life and just have uh, given me the opportunity to even speak to you all. So the shepherd of the house, just want to give him the praise. And, uh, you know, he's a good pastor. That's a good pastor we have, y'all. That's a good pastor that we have and his wife. I also want to shout out my beautiful wife over there sitting there. She's looking fine. She got my seed in her stomach right now. That's my baby right there. All righty, all righty. Well, let's get to it. Let's get to it. I want you all to turn to John 17. John chapter 17. Um, I believe as believers, as Christians, as people that believe in Jesus Christ, I believe that the American gospel has been watered down. I believe that ice cubes have been placed into this water and where basically all we are doing is touching the iceberg instead of going down low. All we see is the top level instead of diving in deep. So what I want us to do today, get your goggles. You all that are listening right now, put down your coffee. Let's get into the Word. Let's open up your Bibles. Get your goggles, and let's get ready to dive in real quick. I'm excited to be here. Praise God, I'm excited. I'm excited. All righty. So John 17, 1 through 4, Jesus spoke these words. Lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. We're called to do the same exact thing. You all realize that, right? We're called to do the same thing. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you give him. Now, this is where I think where we have a confusion in the body of Christ. Not in this house because we're under good teaching, but America as a whole. Because we think eternal life means going to heaven. We think that eternal life means that we get a golden ticket and now we get to go to heaven. We've made it about blessings and prosperity, which I'm all for that. Lord knows I like blessings and prosperity. But when we make that the object of what we believe in and making it about going to heaven, I think we've missed the entire gospel Because when I read this book, I don't see that. I don't see Jesus saying that as much as what he's about to say. So what is eternal life? What is eternal life then? So Jesus is about to explain, verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. The work is finished. Jesus has finished the work on that cross. It's done. It's complete. He's finished the work. Now, what I'm going to do real quick, I have some influential people that I'm going to put up here on the screen. And I want you all to just let me know, do you all know who these people are. Now, I really love crowd engagement and crowd interaction. So I'm gonna lead you all to make some noise a little. Can you all make some noise real quick? Woo! Okay, okay. So when I put this person up on the screen, if you know this person, make some noise, okay? So the first person we have up on the screen is Harriet Tubman. Do you all know who Harriet Tubman is? you all make some noise? Okay. You all know a little bit about black history. You know Harriet Tubman. All right, this next person, go ahead and put that up on the screen. You all know who that is right there? Kobe, the Black Mamba, yeah, one of the best right there. That's Kobe Bean Bryant. All right, so you all know who that is. And let's put this last one up. Do you all know who this is as well? Okay, okay, okay. So you all have a little knowledge of some people. Well... I think this is where we've gone completely wrong when we think we know these people when we only know of them. We think we know them, but I don't think anybody in here knows Harriet Tubman personally. <laughs> I don't think you all know her. I don't think anybody knows Kobe Bryant personally. If you do, please, I just want to autograph. That's it, nothing more. And then the last one, Pastor Gregory. Now, he gets up here all the time and preaches the word, and he gives us a lot about his life, but does that mean that we know him, or do we just know of him? And it's a big difference. And this is what we're going to look at today. What does the word know really mean? Because we say we know someone, but we really don't. So let's just, you know, read this again. Verse 3 says, "'And this is life eternal.'" that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So eternal life looks like right here is knowing God and knowing Jesus, but we need to define this word know. So there's a lot of different definitions of the word know in the Greek and the Hebrew, but I just pulled out three. Now, knowledge defined. The first one is what we say, nostos, and this means facts, data, information. So, we can say 1 plus 1 equals 2. That's facts. We know that 2 times 2 equals… Oh, y'all don't know your math in here. Okay. (laughs) 2 times 2 equals… Okay, that's facts. That's data. The next one is Oida, this means perception and understanding. If someone tells me something and I say, oh, okay, I see what you mean right there. I see what you mean. We don't actually see it with our eyes, but we understand what they're saying. That's the second one of Noah. But this third one is the one that I love the most. It's called nosco, and Pastor Gregory mentioned it in his message. And it says this, Knowing through relationship and experience to know, especially through personal experience, firsthand acquaintance. This is what God wants for us, to have a personal, uh, intimate relationship. Our God is a, a relationship God, and when we have a relationship God, we have to realize that It's not some far up guy in the sky, but he can speak. The creator of the entire universe who made the trees and the bark and the leaves and the pine cones, the fish and the birds, everything wants to speak to you directly and have a relationship with you. And this is what we have to realize is this is the know that God wants us to know. So the question I have today, the title of this message is, who do you know? Y'all say, who you know? I know the grammar's a little incorrect, but don't worry about that. See, the New Testament emphasizes that knowledge is not simply an intellectual apprehension, but it's a response of faith and acceptance of Jesus Christ. To know God is to know Jesus. That is our way into knowing the Father is through Jesus Christ, his blood that was shed. And too many times that song that we just sung was so beautiful. Glorify Him from the inside out. We want to glorify Him from the inside out. And too many times we make it about going to heaven when, in actuality, God has called us to bring heaven here on earth. It's not talking about us going there, but us bringing it down here. The kingdom of God is at hand. Y'all look at it and say, It's at hand. It's right here. It's right now. But we have to know Him in order to display the power, the authority that he has given us. It also is an intimacy. An intimacy. Now, the Old Testament uses the word yada over 700 times when it comes to know. And this word know, the law of first mention in the Bible, know was first used with Adam and Eve. And it says that Adam knew Eve. Now, when this word knew, this was an intimate relationship where they were actually becoming one. And in them becoming one, they produced a seed. Fruit was produced through that intimacy that they had together. Also in the New Testament, it says that Mary knew no man. She was a virgin. She knew no man. This type of intimacy is what God is looking for us to have. And it's all about quality time spent. It's all about quality time spent. In the Old Testament, Moses and the Israelites were out, and right after, right after the Ten Commandments were made, the Israelites and Moses said, let's go up to the mountain and worship God together. Let's go and worship him together. And the Israelites said, no, you go worship God. You get the word and bring it back to us. And I think too many times we do the same exact thing where we say, go pastor, go pastor, go get that word and bring it back to me. Instead of us going and getting it for ourselves, what he's bringing is just the icing on the cake. But the real meat, the real food, well, I'm a vegetarian, I don't eat meat, but the real food <laughs> that we need, the real food is when we get it for ourselves And we're spending quality time ourselves with God. You can only get to know someone through quality time, me and my wife, our first date, and she says this often, we go out on our first date, I cannot get to know her just on a date. You all will agree? I can't know someone just on a date. I can know a little bit about them, but you're putting your best forward. You're not spilling all your beans and telling all that information. You're putting your best foot forward and coming to church is just like a date. We're putting on our nicest clothes, our suits, our ties, and we're just coming out on a date Instead of actually closing the door when it's, when it's nobody else around, closing the door behind us, it's dark in our rooms and we're spending that personal quality time because that's the only way you get to know someone. It's through spending that personal time and too many times we've been stagnant when it comes to our relationship. And stagnancy is just like death. A living, a living river is moving constantly. It's not stagnant. And we can't be stagnant in our relationship with God. Yes, we got the big ticket. Woo! But what now? Live on this earth like it's hell? I think we're supposed to manifest God in everything that we do. When we're we're in our churches, when we're outside of church, excuse me, and we're in our workplace, how many of us are really praying for people? How many of us are being scared and trapped by the fear of man instead of glorifying God? And that's what I think we have to realize. It's about him. Now, when you know someone, you don't worry. When you know God, you don't have to worry about your situation that you're in. Many times we know our situations instead of our situation knowing who we know. See... We need to glorify and magnify God instead of magnifying the situation that we're in. Is our head full of the situation that we're in or is our head full of the knowledge of God? We have the mind of Christ. (laughs) So when we're in trials and tribulations, we should be magnifying God instead of making that minute situation that's so small in comparison to life so big glorify God. That's what it means to glorify him. Magnify God. Now, one of the guys I listen to, Dan Moeller, he says this all the time. An apple, apple produces apple juice. Now, it'd be really weird if one day you poke open an apple, you juice it, and it's prune juice. That would be really weird, wouldn't it? Like, you juicing an apple juice, and it's prune juice. Like, some of you, never mind. I digress. So he says that why is it when we poke a Christian, everything else but Christ comes out? Why is it that when we go through a situation and we're squeezed and the juice that is coming out of us is not looking like Christ, but it's looking like something else that we don't want any knowledge of, (laughs) So what we're going to do, we're going to turn to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. I want to shout out my youth that I see in here. What's up, youth? I like y'all, man. I love y'all. I'm really, uh, it's an honor to be able to talk to you all. And I know that, especially you, boy, and you, y'all got some good things on your life. Now, don't look behind. I'm talking to you. <laughs> so Daniel chapter 3, a lot of times we read these Bible stories and they read them in children's church, and it's just, oh, that's a cute story. That's nice. That's sweet. But it is really a lot of meat. I keep on saying meat. <laughs> it's, a <laughs> it's a lot of meat that's inside of these scriptures that we really need to dig into because, I mean, God is just amazing. And we're going to look at this. Everybody knows about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In Veggie Tales, they say Shad, Shadrach and Benny, right? So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, real quick. So Nebuchadnezzar was a great mighty king on the earth. He was probably the most powerful king on the earth at this time. And this man built a statue that was full of gold. And whenever music was played, they would have to bow down to the image. And if they didn't bow down, it would be trouble. So Shadrach, Meshach, and like my dad says, a bad Negro, Um, they went ahead and let's go to verse 15. Let's go to verse 15. It says, Nebuchadnezzar, this is in the middle. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Say who you know. Who do you know? This guy says, who is the God that do, will deliver you from my hands? How many of our situations are doing that to us right now? Well, we feel like who is the God that can deliver you from this poverty that you're in? Who is the God that can b- deliver you from this pornography that you're bound up in? Who is it that can deliver you from this? But I know him. I know exactly who he is because he delivered me from all types of things. <laughs> I mean, freed me. But it was when I got to get to know him because I believed my entire, my parents raised me in the church. They were very, they were very, uh, I mean, when I say that they was an example of what it means to be a godly parent, they did that. I didn't see them do too much wrong. Uh, (laughs) But they exemplified that. So I thought I had a relationship with God through my parents, you know. And I thought that, oh, I'm good. But little did I know, even though I knew that Jesus died on the cross, on the third day he rose from the grave, I mean, I would argue with that. I would argue that I'm a Christian. Jesus did this. We know what he did, but that doesn't mean that we know him. It's two different knowledges there. We can have Christian bumper stickers. We can have Christian music playing on our phone. We can have Christian backdrops. We can everything, Christian, 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 Christian. And you can miss having an intimacy with Christ. And we can't miss that, y'all. We can't miss it. So then in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Now, this is a bold statement that they said to the king. The most powerful man in that time, they said, we have no need to answer you in this matter. On some pretty much, bruh, be quiet. We don't care nothing about your power. We don't care nothing about you. Be quiet. <laughs> that was a little disrespectful, but this is what they did because of who they knew. Verse 17, if that, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Now, talk about confidence in God. Talk about faith in God where they said he will deliver us, not he may deliver me. He said he will deliver us out of this situation that I'm in. He will deliver us. 18, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your God's nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. So they had faith in God that he would come through in the clutch for them. They had faith but even when it happened, even before they said, but even if he doesn't, I know he will, but if he doesn't, we still ain't bowing down to you. We still ain't going to bow down to whatever you got because we trust God no matter what. Then Nebuchadnezzar, this is uh, from the Nehemiah Ray version. I'm gonna just <laughs> uh, do this real quick. But then he got super upset and heated up the fire seven times. I mean, that's that's really mad. If think about this, y'all. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the flames. I just imagine it like this. The flames are on their skin. They could feel the fire. And the king is telling them to bow down. They can feel the fire. They can feel the situation. It's getting rough. They can feel that, man, this is tough. It's crunch time right now. They can feel it. And they're like, man, this thing is hot. But yet then the king says, turn it up seven times hotter. So they're like, woo! the skin is burning off their eyebrows now. Like they they, they can't even uh, take the heat. But they still didn't bow down. And then it says that Nebuchadnezzar bound them up. He bound them up in turbans and coats and uh, pants, and he bound them up. Too many times our situations are binding us up where we're not even able to represent right because we're bound up in these coats. We bound up in these turbans. And it says that they were bound up and they threw them into the fire. But the guys that threw them into the fire got burned up already. The fire got so hot that it burned the guys up that were about to throw them in the fire. That's hot right there. I mean, this guy Nebuchadnezzar didn't even care about his own people. (laughs) So verse 24, then some of uh, Nebuchadnezzar's people said, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? Look, he answered, I see four men loose." I see four men loose. Now, this fourth man, this right here is amazing. This is just my personal belief. You know, but I believe, let's read it. I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Now, me personally, I believe that that was Jesus walking with them in that fire. And we all have fires and we all have tests. We all have things that we are going through. But you have to know who's walking with you. You have to know who's walking with you in the midst of that fire, y'all. Because the fire shouldn't change our perspective of who God is. We can't let our situations determine who God is. Our experience can't override the gospel The word overrides our experience. So that means even if I'm praying for someone and they don't get healed right there on the spot, it means that God is still good and he's going to do it regardless. I'm not going to let that experience make me not pray for someone anymore. I'm not going to let because something happened stop me from doing what the word says because the word says if I lay hands on the sick, they will recover. So if it says they're going to recover, clearly i got to get my perspective right on Christ because my perspective might just be a little off. We can't let our situations determine our perspective. Our perspective has to say single, straight, focused on the Lord. The binding situation did not stop their freedom, which they already knew that they had in Christ. When we get into a bind too many times, we forget. We forget about the things God has done for us in the past. We forgot how he's brought us through several times, or we forget all the stories. We forget the word, and it just goes out the window, (laughs) and we don't trust in him. The Scripture says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Now, the Son was with them in the midst of the fire, and who the Son sets free... Is free indeed. And then it says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So what sets you free? Truth sets us free. Truth is what sets us free. But Jesus said this, hmm, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is that truth. He's the one that's going to set us free in the fire. He's the truth. He's the way. He's the life. Ain't no other way to the Father. Ain't no other truth because to the Father. Ain't no other nothing, no other life. But through Jesus Christ, he's the way, the truth, and the life. And if he's the truth, we need to find out what he's saying. Stop looking on the internet what's going on with you. Like somebody's doing that. Somebody is doing that right now. Somebody's on the internet looking at whatever's going on inside of your body. Look at what Jesus is saying about your body. Look at what he's saying about your body. Don't, like, too many times we go to get material, worldly information instead of going to the scripture, the word, the word of life. <laughs> like, he, oh, man, y'all y'all leaving me out here. <laughs> Let me go to this side over here and since y'all ain't messing with me over here. <laughs> all right, all right. Verse 27. And they saw these men on whose... Man, this right here is deep. This right here is deep. I'm sorry. And they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were the garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. <sighs> They were in the midst of the fire. They were in that tribulation. They were in that test, but they didn't smell like smoke. They were in the middle of something, but their life didn't look like it. They were going through a hard time because we all go through hard times. Let me raise your hand if you don't had a hard time before. All right, okay, okay. So They were in a situation, but didn't look like it. I mean, because Jesus was with them. We can't witness to people if we're looking the exact same way as the world when we're going through something, y'all. We just can't. Like, how does it look like when somebody else is going through the same exact situation and we're looking, we're sobbing and licking each other's wounds? No. Like, that's gross. (laughs) Like, (laughs) we're supposed to look just like Christ, and it's not supposed to affect. Now, does this mean that you won't think about it? No. I'm not preaching no gospel where we don't have emotions or anything like that, but the thing is, we have to check our emotions. We have to put those things in check. Line up. Line up. And one time when I was uh, engaged with my wife over there, we were engaged, and I was in a situation, I was working for this company where I had to drive pretty often, right? And one time, I got a couple tickets for speeding and hitting people and uh, <laughs> just light stuff, nothing major, <laughs> just a couple of accidents. Um, but I got into this situation where the people that I worked for, they had to run a test. And they saw that, whoa, this guy really can't drive. Like, We got to get him out of here, right? So it was too high on the insurance. I haven't had no ticket in like two years, y'all. Like, I'm good now, okay? I'm good now. (laughs) But, (laughs) well, back then I used to just, anyway, reckless living. So the guy called me up, the boss called me up and he said, Nehemiah, I'm sorry, man, but you're fired. And I'm like, okay. I'm engaged, about to get married in about three, four months. Um, I'm paying for the majority of the wedding out of my savings account. Um, We need to move into a new place. I don't have a job. New place, new wife. We could be underneath a bridge. (laughs) 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 But in that situation, I had an opportunity to do one or two things. I could have either let my thoughts go completely left and start thinking about all the negative things that could happen and how, oh man, I got to make it happen. Or I could do what I did and praise God right there. Right after he hung up, right after I hung up the phone, I said, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I know that you're a good God because of his track record. His track record is good. His track record is so good. It's perfect. He got a perfect track record. So I'm not worried about what's going to happen in the future because I already know what he did in the past. I'm not worried about the future because I know what he did in the. Oh, that was good. That wasn't on the notes, Vinny. That wasn't on there. Because I know what he did in the past. So in that situation, I gave glory to God. And I even talked to one of my partners and I called him up, and he was like, man, so how you feeling, man? I'm like, man, I'm good. God is good, boy. God is good, man. He's going to get me through. He said, okay, okay, okay. I know that you went through something. Bro, you ain't got to put on for me, man. You ain't got to fake the funk for me, man. I already, like, come on, be real. I'm like, bro, I'm really good. Like, God is, like, he's going, I'm ready to see what he's going to do. Because if this situation happened, it says that all things work together for good, for good. Well, we don't finish that last part, though. We just hear the good. And for those that love God, (laughs) y'all, yeah! (laughs) All things work together for good for those that love God and call it according to his purpose. I know I love God. Do you love God? What's wrong with you? (laughs) So when you know God, you don't have to worry about a situation that you win, You put your trust in him. I went to the gas station right after. I was really on some other stuff that day. I was really excited that I got fired. I mean, seriously, I really was. I went to the gas station pumping gas. I'm excited. A lady parked next to me. She get out. Hey, how you doing, ma'am? Oh, I'm good. She said, you're in such a good mood. I said, I know. I just got fired. <laughs> and, she, and she's like, huh? Get away from him, like, he's on something else. (laughs) But that's because I knew that God had me. I knew it. Because we all going to have something, but what is your rock? What is your foundation on, man? What is it on? We got to know what it's on. Verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god it says that they yielded their bodies they were selfless they gave up their life in order to glorify the king they gave up their life <laughs> To glorify the king. But this is what's very interesting in the story. You would think King Nebuchadnezzar, after seeing this, and then after this, he said, Whoever doesn't worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're going to be killed. <laughs> you better worship this God because this God is like better than me. <laughs> like, don't worship him. But as I kept on reading through the chapters, I noticed that Nebuchadnezzar still didn't give his life to God. He didn't glorify God with his life, even though he saw what happened, even though he saw someone get rescued from the fire. It took a situation that Nebuchadnezzar was in this situation for seven years to eventually gave God glory. People have seen the power of God. They know God is real. They know that Jesus died for them. They know that he's a good God. But yet at the same time, they won't give their life. We got to stop playing, y'all. We got to stop playing in these times and we have to start getting right. Because he's already made it right. (laughs) Now, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. So this is Paul talking right here. And Paul... I mean, y'all know Paul wrote more than half of the Bible. He had an experience on the road to Damascus. And I think it was the road to Damascus. Okay, yeah, okay. He had an experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus. So he he had one of those personal relationships with him. So Philippians chapter 3. And then I'm just going to name a couple of things. So he named, he started naming all of his good deeds and the things that he's done in his life, right? He started naming all of these things. And then it says this in verse four, Philippians three, chapter four. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Then he started naming these scenes, circumcised the eight days, stock of Israel, Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisees, all these things. Verse seven. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. So he named all of these things that he's done, all of these accomplishments that he's made, he's this and he's that. And then he said that all of this is worthless just to have the knowledge of Christ. This wasn't even the personal experience with Christ. This was just the knowledge of Christ. One plus one equals two. Just to know about the gospel, all of that is nothing to me. Then he goes on and says this, uh, verse 9. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. We can only be made righteous through faith, y'all. We can only be made righteous through faith. And because of his grace, God is such a good, loving God that we're able to become righteous. Now, we have to see ourselves as righteous. We have to see ourselves as righteous because God isn't looking at every single thing that you've done wrong. He's looking at his son because you're accepting him as your Lord and Savior. Now you know that you know, that you know that you know, that God knows that he's looking at Jesus and his blood shed on you and not what you've done wrong. You can't be scared to go to the Father because we messed up. Pick back up your baton. Keep on running. You mess up, Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank. I repent, Father. Well, you've already completed it, Father. Father, thank you so much. And keep on running. Stop running the opposite way. Run to the Father when you mess up. He's the only one that's going to get you through it. You have a problem with drinking, you need to go to the Father about it. Stop thinking, like, I don't care. Even if you drunk that time, go talk to him about it. Like, go talk to him about that while you're drunk. Like... Because he's the one that's going to be able to help you. He'll take those tendencies away from you. He'll take those away from you completely where all you want to do is worship him. All you want to do is glorify him. I'm getting off track. All righty. 10. Then he says this, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection in the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. Now, Paul, wait a sec. You wrote almost half of the New Testament, more than half of the New Testament, one-third of the New Testament. You don't know him? Wait, Paul, you had an experience on the road to Damascus. What do you mean that you may know him? Paul still cried out that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Now, there's different levels. People always say, different levels, different devils. Nah, I just believe different levels, the more God's going to come through for me. Different levels, the more God's going to come through for me. So, the more... It's different levels to God. It says that the angels go around saying, as they go around him saying, "Holy, holy, holy, holy!" As they go around, they come back again, "Oh, holy, because they see another facet of Him. They know a different facet of Him right there. So they go around again and say, "Oh wow, I didn't see this part of "Holy, holy, holy!" And they keep on going around and saying that to eternity, because we can never know God in, in all of His might, in all of His power and everything. There's no levels to knowing God. It never stops. It's an open door. It's an open lid. It's an open container. It's no container to knowing God. It's no container. And we have to start, we have to stop being stagnant and stopping and push through. Push through that thing, y'all. We have to keep on pushing. Then he says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection in the fellowship of his suffering. What I propose to you today is that I want you all to be able to know God as well. And it's an easy step to get to know God. It's not that hard. He's made it super easy. I mean, he's the one that died on the cross, <laughs> took all those whips up there, pulled beard, pulled his beard out. I mean, it was a bad beating. More than any of the, more than any of the sons of men because he loves you. He finds value in you. He said that you were worth my blood. You were worth it. So I propose to you today, with every head bowed and eyes closed, that there may be some people in here right now that you don't know God, but I wanna give you an opportunity to get to know him today. And it all starts with one simple thing asking him to be your Lord and Savior, Lord and Savior. So if there's anyone in here today where you don't know God, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you want to today, you want to know the creator of the universe and all of his glory and splendor and majesty. If that's you today and you want to know him, could you raise your hand? The second thing I have is this, say that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and, but you realize that you're knowing more about other situations that are going on. You're knowing more about the world than you're knowing about him. You're not running towards God anymore. You've fallen back a little bit and you're running away. We just want to give you an opportunity to rededicate yourself to him. It's not hard. It's easy. But if that's you today and you want to rededicate your life to Christ, could you just raise your hand today? Praise, your, praise God, I see that hand. Is there anyone else in here today you want to rededicate yourself to the Lord? And finally, there's anyone that you want to receive the Holy Spirit, the power, the evidence of speaking in tongues, some of us, we keep on going through these situations because the Holy Spirit isn't residing on the inside of us. Power resides in the Holy Spirit. The evidence of speaking in tongues. If you want to receive that gift that God has given us, He's granted it. Could you raise your hand as well? Praise God. Praise God. I see that hand. Praise God. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, just thank you so much for who you are. I pray that you will give every single person in here that's listening, dear Father, an experience with you like never before. That when they go into their closet, their bedroom, dear Father God, and they get on their knees and they spend time before you, that you will wrap your arms around them and give them an experience with you that will rock their life. Wreck them, dear Father God. Wreck them In the name of Jesus, right now, right now, wreck them, their Holy Spirit. I pray that this week will be successful, and we thank you for the opportunity to give thanks for what you've done in our life. And the ultimate thanks that we give is that you gave your son. That's the ultimate thanksgiving. We bless you. And the ones that did raise their hands that you wanted to rededicate, whatever it is, maybe you didn't raise your hands. Could you please stand at this time? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You all could come on down front, come on down front. Y'all clap it up, y'all clap it up, y'all clap it up. That's a soul right there. That's a decision made for Christ right there. That's a decision for Christ right there.